Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited. Yeah, I'm ready when you guys are. Excellent. Well, shall I play the music? Yeah. Go for it. Here we go. Wonderful. Ancient Chinese music brings us into a, an important Chinese film. Been waiting for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, in between me suggesting this film and us deciding to us having this meeting, I like Claire and I had a baby, obviously, and it's been quite a long time. How long ago did did you guys watch this? Almost two months ago, I think. <laughs> wow, okay. I've still got the credits rolling, so I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Some things <Yeah>. never change. <laughs> Superb. Um, <laughs> well, at least it's fresh in Laura's mind. <laughs> Fernanda, how well would you say you remember it? Um, uh, what about we just go with, with the episode and, and I'll see how well I remember it because <laughs> I, I just don't know yet. <laughs> So this was The Last Emperor, 1987, mm, just to yes. refresh your memory there. What made you pick mm-hmm. this? Uh, I'll tell you what made me pick it. So I, <laughs> we've, got the, we've got the secret Oscars coming up soon, and mm. I wanted to get, get one in there for best picture. <laughs> um, and I, <laughs> I saw this one. Uh, I saw this one a couple of years ago, and I was quite, quite taken with it. I was quite, quite impressed with it as a film. I, it really stuck with me. Um, a few quite strong emotional moments, and it was—it really felt like a big epic. And I thought, oh, we want to see a big epic. And uh, I know it won the Oscar in 1987. We've picked a couple that were just Oscar winners. Um, and I thought, yeah, time for a, a great big epic. And we just watched Mulan, and that had me in the mood for maybe something kind of related with the, mm. the you know, with the Chinese emperor in it. Uh, so yeah, I thought let's let's go for it. And I hope everyone liked it. What did we think? It was good, yes. Well, I loved it. You loved it, did you say? Yes. Laura? I liked it, yes. Oh, good. I did. With reservations? I I didn't love it, Okay. but I really liked it. Awesome. It reminded me of Barry Lyndon, which I really liked. Yeah, (laughs) I get that. Yeah. How how so? They were speaking English. They were speaking English. Yes, yep. that was the first thing that occurred to me. I was like, wow, this is like Barry Lyndon. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Big connection there. Just this hugely epic backdrop. And really, when it came down to it, a very slow, careful, considered portrait of a single man and his yep. very interesting life. Um, yeah, it's a, a biopic, isn't it? Yeah, that, that'll be it. That's That's the... A biopic, just. But I think the maybe the cinematography a bit. The fact that everything mm. was so beautiful mm. and painting esque, yeah. And we had a lot of very slow shots of just amazing. Yeah, no, it was. Do you think rather than biopic, it should be bio epic when it's like a really big one like that? So bio. Oh. Yes. I think we should coin a new phrase. Bio epic. Those two should be two different words. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it is done. <laughs> yeah. So this was a highly influential bio epic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad. Glad you guys liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see the comparison to Barry Lyndon. Definitely. Um, as we know, 
after we yeah we discussed this, but Barry Lyndon was originally going to be a a biopic about Napoleon Bonaparte, and yeah, only was changed mm-hmm. later on to be the story of Barry Lyndon because of um, yeah issues Stanley Kubrick had organizing things. <laughs> um, so in a way, you know, it's all all suited to be the story of a great ruler. Um, but maybe this wasn't the story of a great ruler. What what do we think of uh, Laura? Sometimes you've had trouble with films when you don't like the main character, and that can sort of spoil the film for you. What, did you did you have trouble with that here? No, the thing is, I did like the main character. He you had did. moments where I was like, hmm, "You're a bit of a bastard," but he was yeah. so handsome. I felt like Fernando. <laughs> ah. I could I could forgive a lot of things for a handsome face. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't like it when he threw the mouse against the door because I really thought he was going to release the mouse and it was going to be a beautiful symbolic moment where the mouse can go out and live a grand life. Yeah. But no. No, I just killed moment. the mouse. So that turned me off him for a, a good while. Well, he released him, him from his life and put wow. him in a <laughs> heavenly life. I suppose. I yeah. suppose that's true. I, is that how he saw it? <laughs> <laughs> is that how he intended it? And he threw it against the... A metal door <laughs> with a, a glint in his eyes of to say, now you're free, little mouse. <laughs> or was it more sort of murderous rage? It probably was more murderous rage. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the only reservation I had was that eventually I got a bit tired of cutting back to the camp. Maybe. Oh, which camp? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the re-education camp. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why, because I really liked that in the beginning. But then I found, as I went on, I was more and more relieved every time we'd return to the past. Yeah, okay. So I started to get a bit fed off of that. But I don't know, maybe it just needs to sink in a bit more. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think? Me. Hmm. Um, yeah, I thought I thought the frame story was an interesting one. The frame story with the, um, with the flashbacks. Th- this can work very well. Um, and it worked well in like Titanic, primarily because they didn't overdo it. You could watch Titanic for like an hour without it cutting back to the submarine, right? Mm. Um, and that's that's probably good. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they they probably broke it a few too many times. Um, but the the contrast there was one of the things that that made this film so striking. Um, I, I think the the biggest thing I took from this film was just, oh my God, in like 40 or 50 years, which is easily within a person's lifetime, China utterly transformed itself and became unrecognizable. Mm. And not only was that, you know, it a short enough time to be someone's lifetime, uh, it really was one very particular person's lifetime who lived through it and had a big impact on it. Um, and that, yeah, the the first cut back where we've seen him in, in like this prison camp, and then it says, you know, not even much earlier, it's like 30, 35 years earlier. And there's these, uh, the first shot is like a, a medieval gate being opened and horsemen coming out with these crazy outfits on, playing these weird instruments. And it just, just felt like going into another world. And that, that contrast was really, really amazing for me. Um, what, what did you think of the, the sort of the frame story, Fernando, where we're looking back on it from the future? 
Hmm. Well, I I I greatly enjoyed the the, the movie. Um, I always enjoy learning about history. Um, right. Specifically, I've always been interested. Well, I'm not sure if always, but I am interested in China. Um, so um, right. I enjoyed learning about the new emperor. Uh, I was also amazed by everything that happened and how he was treated, even though he, well, I guess, technically was emperor for... I read the Wikipedia page, and I think he was only emperor for about two years or less than that. Uh, I think he was forced yeah. to abdicate when he was four, I think, or at, at a very young age. Mm. Yeah, because of the Republic mm-hmm. taking over. But he was still uh, emperor within the mm. walls of the Forbidden City, wasn't he? Yes, so that also made me think, well, you also made me think because of what you just said, um, how, as in, how much power uh, did the previous emperor, which seemed to be the Dowager Empress, uh, how much power did, did, did she have over China? And how could it have been such a radical change in, in yeah, how, how could it have been so quick in changing? Mm. And what costed? Um, what else did I think? What else did I think? Well, uh, as I said, I read just a little bit more on the Wikipedia page, and apparently he was a little bit more mm, mean to everyone around him, so maybe mm. he wasn't uh, as much a likable character as he was portrayed in the film. Okay. Um, so I found him quite dislikable in the film. What? Well, only only towards the end, right? And only when he wants to be emperor again, and he is aided by the Japanese, and then um, mm, I guess so. in the beginning, from he was early, I don't know. I I I think I I saw something something quite ugly about his character when he was young. To some extent, he was a child, and he was sort of innocent. But he was very <laughs> naughty. He was very naughty. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't entirely understand what he was doing. He couldn't entirely be held responsible for it. But stuff like making the making the tutor drink ink from the from the pot just to show that he was emperor. There's a certain <laughs> cruelty to that. And even yes. other stuff that he was doing that was just sort of fun to him was was mostly uh, just messing around with the eunuchs and having them run after him and stuff just just for entertainment. And that, yeah, it pointed to the sort of uh, an unpleasant side of uh, what you'd call privilege, I guess. Mm, Yeah. He didn't didn't deal well with having power. That is true. And I guess the question would be, why would they, why would they be obeying him if he was no longer (laughs) emperor anyway? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, we learned about that, didn't we? They wanted to stick around because of the, the wealth and riches that, right? that yes. could have, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Hmm. But they could still steal a thing. As in, they could still kill him and keep everything. Hmm. But I suppose as soon as they, as soon as they kill him, they um. Who they, is going to no know sort that of he's source no of cream, right? <laughs> they they want to be skimming a bit, a little off. Uh, mm. They want to keep the keep the whole process going so that they can just gradually make themselves wealthy and just yeah live in their their sort of comfortable lifestyle oh what did you think of the british tutor <laughs> i liked him love him <laughs> you loved him mm. yeah yeah 
He was Claire. such a colonialist, wasn't he? I know. I hate that I loved him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do you say colonialist in particular? Oh, it was just a classic, like upper class. I was going to say Englishman, but he was Scot from Scotland. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> coming into whatever country it is, educating them. Yeah. Uh, teaching them moral correctness and yeah, just so uh, patronising and the yeah. Um, Hmm. Yeah. With respect to, I guess, teaching other people, um, so there are two things that surprise me. One, that The Last Emperor was actually very recent, was in the 19-something, when <laughs> I tend to think of Chinese emperors like like being like really ancient. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, even though I do not know for sure, that China was like very, very important in the past, and it was like a like, center of knowledge, and yeah. people from neighboring countries in Asia would go to China to learn things. Mm. Um, so I wonder, what was he there? <laughs> what was there to teach if China was was the center of mm. of the world, I guess? Yeah, why would you want a, a European tutor? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the answer is uh, China at that point in history was a almost a uniquely low point in terms of how great a power it was. It was this enormous country with um, with a huge population, but they'd utterly failed in the in the race for colonial empires. Um, as we know, for whatever reasons, Europe began to dominate that very late on, you know, not till the 1500s, 1600s. At any time before that, China, yeah, China would have been this <laughs> this place of knowledge where... Um, you know, barbarians from Europe would uh, would maybe go to learn things, but yeah, just at this unique point, um, they'd fallen behind in in all of these ways and and ended up as a as a weak power. Hmm. One of the reasons suggested for that um, in Guns, Germs, and Steel hmm. was that um, it's because China was one nation; it didn't have. Yeah the inherent competition that European nations had. Um, so if the Spanish did something, the French wanted to do it as well. Um, yeah. And so that really uh, accelerated technological development um, and meant that mm. Europe became more powerful more quickly, whereas China was one country that was uh, yeah, a success for one part of China was a success for the whole whole nation so yeah it didn't have that same drive as one theory that is probably true in combination with the fact that china well i get and countries over there are like massive right as in because yes it is just one country but they also as in they they do have some other countries neighboring like india mongolia and russia Mm -hmm. which seem to be very active in the past um but maybe because China was just so massive that even though it mm. technically does have neighbors, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Ancient China could be compared to ancient Rome in the sense that it was, it was uh, a sort of all consuming power that, that dominated the known world. And the, the only places that it, that the emperor of China didn't dominate were places that 
the emperor of China didn't really know about in the same way that Rome saw itself as like that this is the Roman Empire and all those bits around the outside are just sort of you know edge barbarian people who are dimly aware there might be some kind of other great empire on the other side of the planet, but they didn't really have any contact with them. Um, and whereas the Roman Empire fell and gave rise to these you know, warring barbarian states, which became France and Spain and the UK, um, that didn't happen to China. China just maintained this yeah colossal empire to mm. the present, um, which is weird if you think about it. Hmm. That is weird. Yeah. Or maybe it's weird that the same thing didn't happen in Europe, that there wasn't a continuous single power dominating over here. Wow. Wait, the Roman Empire was very, very long, right? Uh, well, it was, it was the dominant power in the Mediterranean world for no, I mean, 500 I'm years. Okay. Yeah. Well, more than 100 years. More than 500, 500 years. years. Right? Uh, More than 500. Well, the, yeah, the Eastern Empire stuck around for a while afterwards, but it wasn't the superpower that, that Rome had been at its greater extent. Hmm. Yeah, we had the Byzantine Empire for another thousand years after the Western Roman Empire fell, but it was it shrunk and it was yeah, it wasn't such a big deal later on. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but I think it makes sense that smaller states sort of gradually form yeah. if we're going to have uh, like move beyond basically warring clans hmm. if you're going to have regional government those regions have to be fairly small to be wieldy um, it can only get so big before it you'd expect it to collapse in in itself like Rome did yeah um, okay so why didn't the same thing happen to China yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. All pieces of the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it will. Maybe we're just not far enough into history yet. Yeah. Yeah, nothing lasts forever, I guess. <laughs> um anyway, yeah, so we we had we had at this point in, in history China had sort of yeah, become a, a lesser power and it, it made sense that an emperor who wanted to be successful on the world stage and wanted to be a, a modern person would have looked to Britain at that time um, who had yeah, successfully beaten the rest of the world into submission through various sorts of evil. Um, yeah. We see a very similar thing with... Um, uh, what's the musical called? With the King, King of Siam. The King, King and I. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he gets a... She is a tutor, isn't she, for for the children in the palace? Um, oh, yeah. She was there to to teach them modern things because <laughs> she's from from this supposedly enlightened country where they know all sorts of things. And there's that clash with the the old Asian value system, and I think that we we saw some of that here as well, but without such catchy songs. Bicycles, though. Uh, yeah, is that are there bicycles in the King and I? No, I don't think so. I think that's where this one, you know, is a one-up. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the emperor riding around on his little bicycle. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, it made me feel really bad for him. Yeah. Because that was sort of his only freedom. And it, uh, he was just so trapped in this place. And yeah. 
Well, apparently that place is like really, really big. Mm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. You can do That's tours still... of it now. Mm. Maybe we should go. Add it to the list. We go. I think we should move to the Forbidden City. And <laughs> <do they. laughs> um, this is after we've gone to uh, St. Petersburg, right? Yes. <laughs> Just do a tour so, of scary hop, places hop, where we're going to jump. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we should do the Forbidden City first. Forbidden City first. Just to make sure we we get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're if we're going to Russia, that's yeah. You sort of sort out your will and stuff before you go there at the moment, right? <laughs> that's actually the case in Somalia. Really? Yeah, if you go to the like the tourist information board for Mogadishu, um, they recommend that you update your will before you travel. Um, that, I mean, that is a very interesting tourist campaign, I think. It is, isn't yeah. it? It's a bit like when the Lemony Snicket books came out and they said, don't buy these books. <laughs> oh, okay. too scary for you guys oh I see they're trying to attract adventurers I guess yeah. update mm. your will before you come yeah. here <laughs> can you handle Mogadishu are you extreme enough oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. sure it's, quite, it's an interesting read though I recommend go and have a look mm. wow yeah that's interesting don't leave your hotel <laughs> just don't <laughs> I was sure. like Turkey then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or like a, the south of France or like a Greece party holiday, or... <laughs> <laughs> an all-inclusive <Malta>. holiday, <laughs> uh, but with less banana boats. <laughs> you don't know that. That's true. <laughs> I don't know that. Uh, so the film. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I um, liked Peter O'Toole. It makes me. I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia, but I'm dying to watch it now. Aha! <laughs> the, the voice drove me insane. Did you guys recognise his voice when he started talking? Do you know him from other things? I've seen said? Lawrence of Arabia, that's it. Right. Well, yeah. have you seen Ratatouille? <laughs> oh, is he in Ratatouille? He's the critic. Oh, he's the critic. Is he not dead? No, he's ancient. Is he still? Oh. He might be dead now, but... He's old enough in 1987. Oh, he died in 2013. Oh, uh, shame. Well, hell of a career he if he was born in... in 1932, to be fair, which is quite a long time ago. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a very long time ago. But yeah, to be in Lawrence of Arabia and Ratatouille, that's that's a, a long-reaching <laughs> career. It's not quite yeah. Christopher Plummer, but it's not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought he was... I, I liked Peter O'Toole in this, the... What was he called? Johnston. Um, he was... Sir Johnston. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he he seemed like he was trying to do his best. He was trying to do the right thing, but he also had this utter certainty about himself, this assuredness that what he was doing was right. Um, it was, I think, the all the all the best parts of like the the Eton Harrow model just educating someone to have complete certainty of themselves and being the <laughs> presenting themselves as the the perfect gentleman um and this was a an a, a very positive spin on that uh, i'd like to know how how true it was or whether he had a slightly whether he had a darker side or whether he was 
whether his arrogance actually caused problems. So, yeah. Hmm. It is still a bit uncomfortable, as you already said, Claire, the hmm. sort of colonial hmm. undertones of it. Even though he was so likeable and charming, he is trying to... I mean, that's what made me think as well, that this film is made for Western audiences. Hmm. I thought it should have been in Chinese. Yeah. Like, it was very. It was weird that it was in English. Hmm. I was going to ask about this. Yeah. In fact, this takes us back to the very one of the first films we watched together, which was The Breadwinner. And I, I mentioned this this weird thing I'm never quite sure about, which is it's it's a film that they've decided to do in English so that bigger audiences can understand it. But they decided to do <laughs> do the foreign language by just talking English with a funny accent. Uh, like no one, no one talks English like that. Um, shouldn't they all have been speaking with like native English accents if they're because they wouldn't actually have been speaking in English for this whole film? And it, it's an odd one. Hmm. Yeah, if you're Chinese actors whose native language is Chinese, presumably Mandarin, should they be speaking Mandarin? I take hmm. it they speak Mandarin in Manchuria. I've no I idea. Don't know. I bet they didn't. <laughs> Maybe they don't speak. Maybe the actors didn't don't speak the, the language that they used to speak in Manchuria. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe half the actors were Chinese-Americans. I've no idea. Mm. I thought there was a bit of a twang in his tween years. Mm. Okay. I thought it was very impressive how the the teenage, is it Puyi? Mm. Yeah. Had the same intonations in his voice as adult Puyi I you know just Hmm. like how they how they spoke made me feel like it was the same person it was uh, I thought it was remarkable Um, I did forget several times that there there must have been five actors for hmm. Puyi and it it sort of defied disbelief in a way how how similar they looked and how how well they yeah they had Hmm. them act in such a similar way. Um, yeah, yeah, I think they did a good job with, I don't know, yeah, voice training or something, yeah. Which yeah, Puyi was your favourite Puyi? Oh, my favourite Puyi. I think teenage Puyi, sad Puyi. He was the most interesting, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, when he meets Johnson for the first time and shakes his <laughs> hand off and um, <laughs> you see... Just see him making all of these connections in his head, and he's he's done a lot of reading, but he hasn't quite understood it all yet. Um, he's learned all about the different countries, but the main thing he knows about the countries is what happened to the emperors in all of the countries. <laughs> yeah, same. I think. What about you, Fernando and Claire? Hmm. I think Tiny Puyi was my favorite. Tiny Puyi was good. Yeah, he's <laughs> so he naughty. Sweet. So naughty. <laughs> I did not like. Tweeny Puyi, though. No, he was the worst. Oh, <laughs> Fernando. I don't. I don't. I don't think I have a favorite. Maybe I have a least favorite, which is the the older one, uh, mm, the one who wants no. to be emperor. Um, mm. Did you not find him handsome? <laughs> I did not find him handsome. Really? No. Oh my Maybe god! Maybe that's why I did not like him. Yes, <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. Yes. Um, Mm. You like him when he sang the song in his oh. uh, in his nineteen twenties apartment. Love that. 
Uh, what was his name he'd chosen for himself? Henry. Henry. <laughs> Henry. <laughs> oh, he was just so he was so inconsistent. That's what was brilliant about it. There were so many different sides to his character. He wanted to sort of be a an enlightened modern emperor, but at the same time he wanted absolute subservience from everyone. Um and he, he wanted to be, you know, Henry from New York. But at the same time, when his second wife wanted a divorce, he just said, nobody can divorce me, <laughs> meaning because I'm the emperor at, and I'm chosen, appointed by God or whatever. It just all, it was, he, he was so, yeah, there were so many, oh, so many flaws, so many inconsistencies <laughs> in his thoughts and his character. And it was, yeah, brilliant. He was so human. Mm, so very human. Yeah. Which Did you want him to go west? Uh, I, I think thought I, I wanted, did. Yeah. I wanted him to go to Paris and London and America because it seemed mm. like that was his life's dream. Yeah, mm. and that was also his quiet <laughs> dream that would stop more people from being hurt, which which was mm. good. But instead, he went for this sort of tyrannical dream where he collaborated with the Japanese, and it oh, it's not good. Did he see that as his responsibility, or was it a clutch at power? I think it was a clutch at power. Because it, it, I mean, he abandoned the Chinese throne and set up a new state. Yeah. Um, I don't think he could have seen that as his responsibility or his duty. I think he saw it as his uh, his right, and that's a that's an ugly part of his character for me. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Imagine if you spend from the age of three or whatever being told that you're the son of heaven and the greatest thing ever, hmm. and then by what was it like eleven nine? It's all gone. Just yep. Disappointment. Everything's been taken away from you. You're just trapped in a city to rattle around it, empty until even more. Yeah. Even that's taken away from you. So yeah. you promised all this greatness, and you're just a constant disappointment to everyone and yourself. Oh, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sad film. Yeah, it was a very melancholic film. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly that the world hadn't treated him fairly. Yeah. A, a bit more love and a bit more understanding for him could have made him more content. I don't know. Did anyone love him? <sighs> Hardly. But people liked him at times. I think his. Tu- I think Some the tutor people. loved him. Mm. Yeah, the tutor certainly cared about his welfare. Yeah, I think he's getting wet him the glasses and stuff. Yeah, that's his wet oh, nurse yeah. did. His mother did, and his first wife did. I think. Yeah, I think at she cared a lot about him at least earlier. Yeah. yeah. But he ended up alienating her, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. The Japanese, they loved him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I loved the. I mean, it was. I guess it was. It was obvious. So I'm not saying this. Not having this one for symbolism, but it was um, the way. Do you remember he ran after his wife when she left? Um, no. It. Yeah, when he was when he was in Manchuria, mm-hmm. um, she stormed out one day, and someone said, "Oh, the, oh, the Empress yeah. is leaving," and he ran down the mm-hmm. road to get to her car. But her car went out of the compound, and the gates shut. And these these soldiers, who were nominally his soldiers, wouldn't let him out. Mm. And that was exactly what had happened when he tried to get out of the Forbidden City on his yeah. bike mm. when the sort of half-Republican, half-Emperor's guard 
stopped him from leaving. And you realize he was just in exactly the same situation. He was just another another symbolic emperor who was only there so long as he could do something for someone and he was going to just get knocked out of power the moment that someone more powerful found him inconvenient, whether that was the Japanese or whether it was the Russians or the communists or anything. It's, yeah, yeah, quite something. Mm. Both those times he lost someone, didn't he? He wanted to go and see his mother the first time. Yeah. When she had died. Oh, but yeah. Those were very human moments of grief. And he was yeah, locked into his symbolic position, his, his role as emperor, rather than any sort of human. Uh, yeah, rather than being treated as a human. Oh, poor Puyi. He was sad. How, what did you feel about his... Because I think we're meant to think that he found his peace in the end after his after his re-education. What did you think of all of that? I don't think he found his peace. I think he no. always lived mm, troubled by his past and not being able to go back to it. Yeah, you think he wanted to go back and be emperor again, even to the end? That's why he went to the... Well, I mean, probably that was just fiction, but that's why he went back to the Forbidden <laughs> City. <laughs> you think? I disagree, I think. Hmm. I think okay. this time he became another puppet, but for once outside of the film. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can I pull this thought I've just had into Could you a... elaborate on that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what, uh, that's what our man Melvin Bragg always says. Could you expand that for us, Laura? <laughs> does, anyone, does anyone ever say, no, fuck off, Melvin? <laughs> you take it or leave it, all right? Um. So but you I, do some of the unpacking stuff. No, I can't. I, okay, give me a second. Okay, so we, we've, we've transitioned into more of a modern China, right? I mean, I, this is the, yeah. where my history is just going to let me down. Um, so they're mid-60s, Chairman Mao, cult of personality. Yes. Okay, no, this kind of fails because they don't like that now either, do they? Oh, dear. They kind of try not to talk about it now. I think it was a rejection of the... I think it was a rejection of the imperial stuff because we see the Forbidden City being opened... And that's mm. why we end on the museum, which is that it's now it's a letting go of the imperial past. So the fact that he can return and he's naughty and he goes up the steps, <laughs> yeah, it's just like a I don't know, not pissing oh. on the what power he had. And that's now he has what he to did sneak up. A, oh yeah, that's that is a kid. He did, he did kid. that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah up. I loved that. I I didn't get that at the time. <laughs> There's yeah, some down the middle, the middle partition of the steps, rather than going up the steps on the outside, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice touch, I thought. Mm. And that was a yeah, very explicit call all the way back to the start because he gets the cricket, of course, um, that was in one of the first scenes. Yeah. That yeah, is an I, old cricket. I think we, yeah, 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 I think that's, that's where we maybe think that this was a flight of fancy and we question the reality of the film. Um, I Dare was... I say symbolic? Aha! Uh-huh. Was he not always... <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> was Puyi a cricket in a cage? Oh, brilliant. Didn't occur to me. Perhaps just to, to chirp and to sing, but never to be let free. Why well, he was finally released at the end, wasn't he? Oh, he was finally released. He was a mouse in a bucket. <laughs> oh. 
a classic symbol. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. I think we are meant to think at the end that it's good that this has happened to the Forbidden City, that the Forbidden City is now no longer this bizarre, dysfunctional place propping up a tyrannical kingdom, um, that it's now become you know, property of the people and that people can enjoy it for the sake of history and understand it. I think that's that's meant to be a good thing. Um but it, it all, and I think we're also meant to think that Puyi has accepted that. Mm. That's how it seemed to play to me. Did you think so, Fernando? Mm. Or do you think he was well, still resenting it? He, he, yeah, yeah, maybe I thought that he was um, resigned to that fact. Not that he accepted. Well, if you resigned, do you accept it? Maybe, yeah, maybe the word that I would use <laughs> he resigned himself to that fact. And if resigning mm. yourself to something means accepting it, then. Yes, only as far as it means that you're resigned to it. I was thinking about how in the parade he defended the the prison guard when he found him. You know, this guy yeah. who sort of tormented him, made his life a misery. He he protested at his own personal risk to say, "This is a good man. You shouldn't do this to him." Um, he he must. He must have accepted something that he'd learned in the camp. Hmm. I think he did. I think he repented genuinely when he saw the atrocities happening. Yeah, I don't, I'm not when sure. he learned quite how bad what the Japanese were doing was. Yeah. Hmm. And then he just wanted to be left alone, didn't he? And it's nice the- that he just got to garden. It didn't seem like there were very many gardens in the Forbidden City, or they didn't show us any. No. No, he never had the chance just to to create something, did he? And mm. make it grow. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a nice conclusion for him. It did make me think: is this a slightly rosy picture of communist China re-education camps? Um, yes, that's what I, I wondered that as well. Yeah, I, <laughs> when the um, when the two participants in this in this exchange are you know, Mao Zedong's Communist Party and collaborators with the Japanese in the Second World War. It's a little hard to choose between them. Um, but it, it, it occurred to me that this film came out, what, around the time of the, of the Tiananmen Square massacre, and it, it was a bit of a, a funny, funny look, sort of showing the the Communist Party as this enlightened force. But then I guess they, they were showing the other side of it. They were showing this this cult of personality with the people being paraded through the streets. And we weren't meant to approve of that. And we, we also weren't meant to approve of the the other uh, interrogator who was just frothing at the mouth because he was so furious and just a, an absolute zealot. Mm. And that maybe there were some, yeah, maybe we were just meant to think that it was this this one person had a, was trying to do some good, uh, so I don't know. It made me made me think carefully about who exactly was making the film and what influence they had. Mm. Um, I think it was an especially Italian knowing, film, but yeah, exactly. There was an Italian filmmaker who, the, and the Chinese government let him the first Westerner to film in the Forbidden City. I read. Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And it did make me think. You know, 
did they ask to see the script first? <laughs> like, I, I think they had, I don't know if they had any influence over it, to be fair, but I think they would have protested heavily if they hadn't liked the spin that he was putting on it. Yeah. But then I don't know if, how it works with films, whether he you know pays them and makes tells them this is what he's going to do, and then afterwards he can cut it however he likes, or, or quite what. Um, but it made yeah it made me think carefully. Like it, I don't think the the nineteen eighties Chinese Communist Party were were just saying oh let's let's just be the bigger <laughs> let's be the, the yeah. bigger person and just let him say whatever he likes. But on the whole, I, I, there's nothing obvious that I could point to and be like, yeah, that's Chinese propaganda. Uh, it seemed quite fair on the whole. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. It had a bit of both elements. Where, like you said, there were surprising things that it showed in stark reality. Um, but other things that were incredibly rosy. And, yeah, I don't know. I thought about So Long My Son in the same way. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Um, it had some criticisms of the of the regime in it. And I wondered how much they'd got away with that and how much they'd, you know, had other things suppressed or what. Yeah. It was an odd one. Mm. I guess I- we've got to, yeah, take it for what it is and try and make up our own minds on what happened. <laughs> Mm. As a as a story about this one man, I thought it was I thought it was sensational. Yeah, apparently mm. they edited out uh, the uh, disturbing scene for the Japanese um, release. Do you know, like what do they call it, the rape of Nanjing. Okay. They edited, they edited. They mm. edited it. Oh right, I wonder why. Uh, too upsetting for Japanese people. I see. Too sensational for Japanese audiences, apparently. Wow. Oh, I wouldn't have thought they were really punting for the Japanese audience, but there you go. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do know there's a there's an extended cut of this, which is, uh, I think about f- about an hour longer. Really? I yeah. Would so be this interested was two hours forty three, and yeah. the, the extended cut was three hours forty. Um, it, which was cut for broadcast on Italian TV, mm. um, and I've I've got it. I got part of the reason I I said the Last Emperor was they've just released a new new 4K edit of it, which I got. It's from from Arrow Films, which seems to be as this sort of film lovers collective. Where I got this gorgeous case with a booklet in it with loads of like stuff in it. It comes with a poster and it comes with a bunch of postcards with scenes from the film on and sort of lovingly restored thing of it, like the Nosferatu version <laughs> I got. Um, and I thought, Oh, do you know what? This, this will be the way to do it. But that, that comes with a second disc, which is the, the extended cut. Uh, so I'd be, yeah, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I think I'll leave it a while though and watch it all at once rather than just watching the extra hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm thinking the same. Well, come round in a couple of years. Lovely. Let's try and remember that. (laughs) We can watch the extended uh, Cinema Paradiso while we're at it. (laughs) Throw in the extended Lord of the Rings. Got ourselves a weekend. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Hmm. Do you know, that sounds like a brilliant weekend. (laughs) I really love that. Get get a couple of pizzas in. Oh, yeah, the really big ones. 
few drinks on the Saturday evening and yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> By the Sunday you're stumbling out into the light like a little mole. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, well Fernando and I watched uh did a playthrough of the whole of Card Captor Sakura in three days. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, that was quite something. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. We should do it again. Well, I, I am watching it again now. It, it's, um... I'm also watching it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can we talk about women for a second? That sounds pretty boring. Let's not bother. Fair enough. That's so out yeah. of topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were some good good women in this film. I was I was really interested in the women. Um, many and I'm not of them. just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They were good women. I enjoyed watching them, learning them, their stories. I thought they were a bit thin, not physically, although physically, <laughs> thin in terms of character. Maybe yeah, another problem pastiche. with the film. I don't think we had a really great depth of character, but maybe that wasn't necessary because we did get it from Poogie. I don't know. Women. Yeah, Poogie was the only richly described character. So it... What were the women then? We had his mother, who was prevented from seeing him, um, yes. and we got a we got a, a hint of her sadness and and the way that they'd been separated. That was that was interesting. Yes. And we had the the fearsome sight of the Empress Dowager, this mm. this otherworldly, sort of terrifying creature that we could barely understand. I think we were they'd particularly done up how how weird and unusual she was to to make her sort of as scary for us as she would have been for Puyi. Yeah, she was like a giant beetle. Yeah. Something, something otherworldly. Hmm. Hmm. That was good. We had his wet nurse. That's the one probably I want to talk about. The yeah. very Oedipal kind of thing going on there. And it's oh, interesting with mean? his... Well, like he clearly had... Because remember how he was still breastfeeding it? however old he was, nine yeah, or something. Yeah, must have been 12 or something. Or 12, yeah. But there was clearly something weird there. Like, it, it was a like really? the way that he essentially sort of strokes her breast and is kneading her while he's breastfeeding. And then when she leaves, he says, she, she wasn't my net, worse, net wet nurse, she was my butterfly. Yeah, I didn't understand what he meant by butterfly. Do you think he was in love with her? I think he had some strain. There was some weird Oedipus thing going on. That was my, yeah. that was my bet. Oh, and he with... would just have no sense of what a what like a healthy yeah. relationship looks like, right? Mm. Um, he'd have had no role models for that, no, and just so much confusion. Yeah, mm. just surrounded no one to by tell him that he women that to were stop basically his servants. Yeah, exactly. Stop breastfeeding, yeah. like he can do whatever he likes. So of course he's going to keep breastfeeding until he's. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how they kept getting around him. They would just, you know, he ostensibly had all was all powerful. But they do sneaky little things like mm. that, like kidnap the wet nurse. And he knew he had to keep his mouse hidden or they'd probably get rid of that without him looking. Things like that that you yeah. suggest he's not quite as... And obviously like them just bowing whenever he wants to leave and not letting him out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's tragic. He couldn't actually have anything that he really wanted until he was older. Yeah. But I thought we had two father figures, obviously. We had the tutor who had a fatherly presence towards him. And then the camp, re-education camp guy was also oh, strangely you think he was like, like a father? Well, like it, the way that he brought him round. Hmm. I don't quite know. Yeah, they both guided him, didn't they? Hmm. One of them with his very enthusiastic commitment and one of them against 
every attempt he made to to get away from it. Mm. Yeah, he was. He had the a sort of paternal kindness, didn't he? Yeah. It's interesting mm. that China lost its emperor and neighboring Japan still has one. Yeah. Yeah, as I thought, I'd, well, there was no revolution in Japan, was there? Hmm. Yeah, it's a, I always thought it was a, an odd one, Japan. This, yeah, the, in the Second World War, it was so extreme and so mad, you know, comparable to, to Nazi Germany, the, the level of sort of national fervor and just, uh, should I think of the, the word for it? Just, yeah, how, how zealous everyone became all focused around the emperor and the, the concept of this Japanese superiority. And then they were utterly defeated, unconditional surrender. And somehow the, the emperor was left in place. And that mm. there was this, you know, a, agreement that he couldn't be worshipped as a god anymore. And the, you know, the, the Americans made a lot of decisions about how Japanese life was going to be. But yeah, he was, and I think he was the emperor until the mid eighties, right? Emperor Hirohito. <laughs> bizarre idea it'd be like um like germany had lost the war and west germany was still ruled by adolf hitler until until the 80s or something and it wasn't quite the same because i think like puyi he was a a bit of a sort of puppet who didn't quite yeah he wasn't the he wasn't actually the instigator of this whole thing but he was the figurehead of it and yeah bizarre that that's still there we there's still an emperor Well, we we are we are preparing, are we not, for the coronation of King Charles the <laughs> Third? Yeah, I thought that while month. watching this, I was like, God, it's mad that we have a monarchy. Yeah, <laughs> we just decided not to get rid of that. Um, <laughs> and Harry is going to the coronation. <laughs> Yay! This is what it's become—a psychodrama for spoiled rich people. <laughs> oh, that's what that's probably what it always was, wasn't it? Let's not kid ourselves. I think so. Uh, and uh, to be honest, that's not in the same, not to the same extent as Puyi, but that a lot of them must feel kind of the same people in the British royal family. I wonder how many of them just quietly would quite like to just get out and just live live a peaceful life doing what they want because they can't really have what they actually want any of the time. And yet I bet they wouldn't if given the option. They'd be like Puyi. They want to cling to the golden teat of power. I bet some of them, yeah. I bet some of them, if they had if they had a chance, a real chance, they'd probably quietly slip out. But I, yeah, I reckon others would go for it and just cling mm-hmm. on to whatever this whole charade is. Wait, no, surely. Well, who knows? <laughs> but I mean, they always have a real chance, right? Like Harry is the proof of that, isn't he? Always had the chance, and he chose to leave, and he left, and yeah, and other look people what happened. Wanted- that's it. He's a pariah. He's he's hated the the. The vitriol against him for what he's done, and he's you know basically lost his family. But there must be a lot of them who you know could step down, could abdicate or whatever, but just m- must feel this terrible sense of responsibility and obligation to to keep up this whole whole pretense. That's what I reckon, anyway. Mm. But yeah, I bet you're right as well, Laura. It must be intoxicating. Yeah. At the same time. Just that sense that they're, you know, above the rest of everyone. 
That must be difficult to give up if you've grown up your yeah. entire life believing you're inherently better than everyone and yeah. special. I don't know. Yeah. Don't trust him. Don't like the aristocracy. Yeah. Vive la révolution. Indeed. My brain went to try and replicate that in Chinese. I don't speak Chinese. There's oh. no way I could have... Uh... <laughs> don't you hate it when you try and speak a language that you and then realise you don't know a single word? <laughs> <laughs> happens all the time. Yeah. It's like that old mm. Yiddish saying... Um... <laughs> Oh, no, hang on. I don't speak a single word of Yiddish. <laughs> okay. Yes, I was thinking that the French Revolution did not end the monarchy um, because Napoleon happened afterwards. And Napoleon was emperor of France. Yeah, but he was he brutally was. cut down, wasn't he? Uh, was he brutally cut down? He was exiled. Yeah. How did he die? Did he because he didn't did he get off of um that island I forget that we mentioned um, the Count of Monte Well he went to two islands. Uh yeah, Napoleon was defeated uh to start with and he was exiled to uh the Isle of Elba in the Mediterranean. That's it. Where he maintained the rank of emperor <laughs> and then yes he did escape <laughs> from he did escape from that and reconquered the whole of France for 100 days. Uh but then was defeated at Waterloo and then he was sent That's to right. What was it? St. Helena, where he died. That's right. Years later. Um, so yes and no is the answer. Yes and no, respectively. Um, yeah. No, Count yes, of Monte Cristo. No, that was an epic. That was <laughs> per- sort of an epic. <laughs> if only they'd just, you know, taken a leaf out of The Last Emperor's book, spent some time on it. Developed it a bit, added another hour. Anyway, we've been yeah, that's what needed. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> or they could have jazzed up the last emperor, cut off an hour, you know, fabricate an elaborate <laughs> revenge plot or something. Yeah, trim it down More a bit. Hot air balloons. That's yeah, what exactly. was missing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the emperor should arrive everywhere by hot air balloon. Yeah. <laughs> we need a, a remake, don't we? <laughs> More fighting, sword fights. There must have been something oh, yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you guys liked this film. Yeah, I did. Mm. I really liked it. I'm glad I've seen it. I wasn't totally sure whether you would, but I, yeah, uh, I first felt that it was a really, really special film when he when he goes into the, the Forbidden City at the end, just having him walking around there as an old man and just thinking, maybe he did that. Like we wouldn't know because mm. yeah, he lived in the right city. I, I think he he totally could have done, and it's such a such a poignant thought that he would remember. You know, there'd, there'd be all these tourists walking around a historical site, and just unbeknownst to everyone, the man himself who actually lived through it all is just quietly walking along behind them. Oh, I love that as a thought. Wow, incredible. Uh, any last thoughts? It is just like when Pope Francis and Pope Ratzinger Benedict walked in the Sistine Chapel, Chapel with all the tourists, while all the tourists were appreciating the, the painting. Did they do that? I th- well, that's what they said in the film, the two popes on the <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I liked that. Hmm. Claire, any last thoughts? 
don't think there are any. I don't have any wild symbolism to offer. Think of something. Uh, the um... <laughs> think of something. Uh, oh my goodness! I can't think of anything. Uh, what yeah, about what we got? The emperor. The yeah. emperor was a symbol for the empire collapsing. Yes. Yes. That's mm. no. Yeah, uh, he was the head of the whole system, and, and he was. I don't think that counts as symbolism. <laughs> I think that might be quite literal. <laughs> In the same way that the that the prison guard kept him alive, stopped him from killing himself. In the same way, the Communist Party kept the empire alive, or vestiges of the empire, dressing it up and sending tourists around it and making movies about it. That mm. is the way to strip something of its power. Yeah. Empty it out like a shell and then sell it for its aesthetic. Brilliant. Mm. Nailed it. All right, there we go. Uh, At the end of the film, uh, the Forbidden City is just the shell. It's just the decoration. That's all that's left. But Puyi has lost all the decoration and all the adornment and he's just a pure man. That's all that's left of him is himself. I knew you could do it. How's that? I love it. There we go. Excellent. Yeah, they both ended up as the most healthy versions of themselves. Him as a, a human being and the city as a, a place people Building. can enjoy themselves and learn. Yes. Well done, guys. I I missed you guys. <laughs> we should do this more often. Yeah. Every day. I want Super Every- Saturday one day, okay? Every day. I'm still sold on it. it Super a- Saturday. It took us so long to watch this film because they were just the the sort of through the sleepless nights and the sort of short (laughs) evenings to kind of desperately try to eat something before having to like carry a crying baby around. But there wasn't a lot a lot of time where we were like, "Oh, should we watch the next bit of the film?" (laughs) Isn't that what her baby box is for when she cries? (laughs) <laughs> that's not what the baby box is for there's very specific dis- instructions on the baby box that say do not put the lid on the baby box while the baby is inside the baby box that's why I'm not having any babies <laughs> I like your baby a lot though oh thank you you've got a good baby, you've done a good one yeah, we're, yeah. we're pretty pleased with ourselves yeah I've, lovely uh, no, nothing more to say if we great, I'll play the music lovely Lovely. Beautiful. Who's in the hat? It's just Claire. It's just me. I don't have a film to suggest. Oh, no. All day to think of this. Wait, I'll just check what's in my (laughs) keeps. All right, okay, how about Belfast? Cool. Oh, I love that film, yes. (laughs) 2021. Next time, Belfast 2021. Thank you, Claire. Okay, definitely not Mutiny! Exclamation mark. There's still time. You could submit Mutiny! Exclamation mark, the musical. Unfortunately, I've already made my choice, so I won't be able to do (laughs) it. We've got a a process in place. We have got a process. We do.